Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Alright guys, how are we doing today? How does everybody feel? Right? Mm-hmm. I see, of course. Well, oh, okay. Well, I am sorry to hear that. <laughs> There's no need for that kind of language. Well, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Okay. Uh, all right, I forgive you. All right. Okay, I love you too. Okay. All right, bye-bye. Uh, man, a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, you know, you ever feel like there's a lot of things on your mind and physically you've been doing a lot of things and you imagine that you would have so much on your mind to unload, you know, akin to like a therapy session. But if you set yourself up to do it, sometimes the pressure of wanting to explain things in a nice elaborate way um, has a reverse effect and causes your brain to actually go blank. Um, I think my engines are warming up, but that's kind of the way that I feel right now. Like there are many things that um, are going on, but processing them in a way where I feel like I can tell a story about them uh, is probably going to take a few minutes. So bear with me. Um, just basic updates though, I can start with um, for sure. The 12 songs for 12 friends album uh, had a couple of interesting, there's a couple of interesting things that happened in the last week with this. One of which is, and I have to tell this story because uh, it means so much to me, but a lot of people, like some people who listen to this probably know my friend Cody Hopper personally, and some people know him through the stories I've told on this show. Like, for example, when I talked about his song on the 12 Songs Breakdown, and Cody recently did something pretty amazing. Um, he was texting in this group. I have this group text with him and uh, Todd Todd Gurley, who is the record store owner that I also talk about a lot. And that that's probably like my most active uh, text group from people from uh, from America. It's funny you don't expect that because you know your high school friends. You know maybe. Maybe one or two you stay close to, but um, usually, in most people's cases, from what I understand, when you go off to college, that's where you make your more like lifelong friends, um, depending where you move and you know what kind of person you are and stuff. Um, but somehow, Cody has traversed all of those obstacles, and we have stayed pretty close friends uh, still until this, uh, you know, to this day, which I'm so thankful for. So I have this group with him and Todd. And we were texting a few days ago, and Cody said, uh, guys, I did something, um, like, I did something kind of crazy. And we thought, oh, no, what's, you know, because Cody recently had gone through a breakup, and, you know, he's trying different things, going through different sort of emotions on his own, and um, processing things alone. And, you know, some people have this tendency to maybe lash out and do something crazy, like, you know, shave his head or um, you know, something silly. And we thought, well, okay, well, wh what'd you do? And he said he bought his own tattoo gun, 
which at first, uh, the, the first moment you hear that, I, I got kind of terrified because as somebody with just one tattoo, uh, imagining myself dallying around with a tattoo gun uh, sounds just like a recipe for disaster. Um, I have a few friends who have a lot of tattoos or some or just one like myself. And um, I don't think I would, I mean, there's very few people I would probably trust to draw a tattoo on me. I feel like so many friends of mine, especially in my generation, went on some trip with some group of friends and they all come back with like a matching tattoo or a similar tattoo and maybe all in the same spot or something uh, to commemorate and like, you know, memorialize a moment in their lives. And that's really a common thing. Like my friend Lindsay has a lot of sort of strange, uh, tiny little stick and poke tattoos, like prison style tattoos, because she, you know, bonded with her friends over so many specific little things like inside jokes and and stories within their circle and then to commemorate that they like i don't know got drunk and did little stick and poke tattoos and so you know her tattoos some of them look a little silly some of them are nice but some of them are a little you know she would admit that herself some of them look a little goofy and uh so when i heard that cody got a tattoo gun i thought oh my god well i hope he didn't draw you know like the Batman mask on his face or something, you know, like, what did he do? And he said that he was, uh, he was sketching things out in his notebook to try to give himself uh, a tattoo, you know, red flag, red flag, red flag. And I said, well, what did, what were you sketching out? And, you know, what did you come up with? And he said that he was basically brainstorming different little simple minimal lines and simple, you know, single black and white ideas. And three songs came on his playlist while he was drawing. Uh, And one of the three songs was the song that I wrote for him called Where Will We Go From Here? And so what Cody did is pretty spectacular. And uh, I have to admit, it looks very good. He drew on himself meaning at a weird angle with one hand, he drew an exact copy of my very tattoo, which is the the art design from that album, which is two hands shaking, sort of c- coming together with this like ray, like this ray of sunshine sort of emitting from the hands like, ah, uh, it's five little lines that are just, when the hands meet, it's just like, ding, and, uh, and the hands meeting. And so he drew exactly my tattoo in exactly the same spot, almost the same size looks like, um, himself. I don't know how he did that. I know he has the merch from the album, so maybe he was able to like sort of trace out exactly the lines and um, make a version for himself on paper, and then maybe he traced it onto his arm and then copied. I don't know how he did it, but he got exactly my tattoo on his arm in the same position, and then under it, he wrote in a very nice, clean font his own song title, Where Will We Go From Here? And how incredible is that? I mean, it's just unbelievable um, to see something like that on your friend that they did themselves because something means so much to them. It's so beautiful that he did that. Uh, And the other two songs that came on, I don't think I know them or I didn't catch what it was, but uh, he put like really small words Uh, one lower on his arm and one higher up on his arm. I don't know if he, I don't remember if Cody had other tattoos before this. 
Maybe he did, but if this was his very first tattoos, that's very brave and and brazen and crazy uh, to trust himself with his first tattoos. But um, he got, I think the word, I forgot what it was. I'd have to look at the picture, but something like, you know, I can help or or something, little words on his arm. But yeah, the main thing being this art design from the album, and he got it on his, uh, in the same spot as me. And that's really beautiful. Um, It's those little moments like that uh, that connect people so, it connects people so well no matter where they are in the world. Uh, It's kind of a beautiful thing uh, if you think about it. I I love the idea that Cody, you know, wakes up in the morning and goes to the bathroom and looks in the mirror, maybe before a shower and sees that tattoo and he thinks of me. And it's the same when I catch my tattoo in the corner of my eye um, at a at a dinner or um, at the beach or you know also just in the morning at some point somehow somewhere I think of all these people uh, Cody being one of them and being the one that I still talk to the most and that's so cool and I feel like it just bonds us closer together and that's not even the the I mean that is maybe the best part of the story but a cool little anecdote to to end that story with is that I loved that tattoo on him so much. I was so impressed with his lines and how good it looks that I told him that I want him to give me my second tattoo when I visit uh, America in a, in a month or so. And then, you know, I showed it to Efi and I think I showed it to, or no, Todd saw it obviously in the group. And Todd got so inspired by it that he said he wants to get his very first tattoo as well from Cody. So it might be that when we visit America in a month or so that uh, I will be getting my second one uh, and then Cody would give one, the very first one to Ify and the very first one to Todd, which would kind of bond us all in this really interesting way that I I really enjoy. You know, I kind of have a feeling that um, Todd maybe always wanted maybe a simple tattoo somewhere. He was always very, you know, deep in the music scene and stuff. And I think it's not so um, odd or strange to imagine him sort of desiring a nice tattoo. Um, I have to think about what I want, though, because he needs some time to sketch it out and practice it and make it nice, uh, he says. And um, the only tattoo that I have fantasized about having since I got this one I th- I see. I got this one in. I got it in early 2019, I believe. So now four years ago, <clears throat> it still looks pretty good. I gotta say, it's really nice. It's aged very well. That's why I wouldn't want to do anything crazy like big, brazen, bold colors or like a, a super detailed dragon or anything crazy like that. I would never want super, super, super crazy tattoos. Um, it, it does look pretty good on some people, but it's not what I would want for myself. Like I know my body and I know <laughs> how I look <laughs> without clothes on. And I just can't pull off like, you know, that Ben, that Ben Affleck tattoo, like the big back flaming fireball dragon or whatever. Plus that's not what I'm interested in having on my body. I'm, I am very interested in sort of like the Heath Ledger style tattoos, which is always very simple, minimalistic, single line drawings. I've just been always more drawn to that. Um, and you can have more than one or more than two. And if they keep this consistent minimal lines, then it always kind of looks nice. Um, 
I remember the first time my dad saw my tattoo or the first time he talked about it finally. Like I got I guess I got it um in early 2019 and at some point either either that same year or or maybe the next year uh I was visiting my parents in, in where they live in Tennessee. And I remember my dad asked me I don't he wanted to take, to take me on a drive to have some sort of serious talk, but I don't exactly remember what it was about. Maybe it was something about the future or family or money or something. But he wanted to have one of these like, son, now what you got to do is, you know, or asking some sort of heavy question. And we got into his uh, his Bronco or his truck or something to go. The excuse to get in the car together was to take a bunch of trash to the, the city dump to um, get rid of it. And so we put all this trash in the truck and then we got in the truck together. And I remember that was the first time that he acknowledged or like really talked about the tattoo. I had my arms sort of, you know, lounging sort of at my side in the truck and he looked down and I don't know if he, I don't remember if he, if he took my arm in his hand to see it better or if, or if he just asked to see it. But I remember like showcasing it to him and um, I remember he asked if it hurt and I said, um, I said a little like maybe on a scale of 10, it was like five or six. Sometimes depending where he was on the line, like, you know, it's it's in, if you haven't seen it, it's in the center of my left uh, forearm, like on the inside of my left forearm. So there's just like really thin skin there. Now I love the position of the tattoo. I, I think if I got another one from Cody, I would also want it on the inside forearm of my other arm to sort of match that position. But, um, you know, little spots here and there hurt worse than others. But in general, it was definitely okay. And um, I think a lot of people uh, get this sort of tattoo bug uh, where they instantly want more. And it wasn't even, I think it was like a year. I told myself I wanted to, to I told myself that I wouldn't get a tattoo unless I really wanted it for at least a year. Uh, and this tattoo, I wanted... Um, since the album had come out. Uh, so that was just about a year of wanting that tattoo. Or I, I think I knew the artwork for about a year already. So I knew I wanted it for a while. But in terms of getting a second one, um, the reason I brought that up was the only reason I, I, I could imagine getting a second one is because I've envisioned this other tattoo to go on my other arm for a long time now. It's been, I think, probably two years I've talked about it. I, I think I was gonna maybe get... Uh, I think I was going to get this new tattoo for my 30th birthday, but that just, you know, came and went and I ended up not getting that. Um, and then I think I was going to get it for like the following birthday or get it as a Christmas gift or, you know, it was always like, oh, let's just put that into this. But something else came up and then, I, you know, then I, I wasn't pushing forward as much, you know, more important things came to the forefront and you know, that shows me that if I'm not like aching to get it or if there's not an opportunity like now that's presented itself, um, then there's no reason to get another one, you know. Uh, anyway, the image that I picture uh, is or has always been and it has a couple of variations. So maybe I'll just pitch it to Cody and let me I'll, I'll just see what he um, comes up with. But it's a. Uh, like an old, um, like early 60s or late 50s, um, like bulb screen television set with a little static on the screen. So 
I mean, if I think about drawing it now, it's you can imagine a, sort of like the outer line is a perfect square, and then the inside, the glass, the television glass, is sort of um, another square but curved lines. They curve out. If you imagine like like those old bulb screen TVs that sort of you know like an eyeball popping out of the socket a little bit, like those old ones, and maybe three dials on the right side, which again almost dangerously comes off looking like a microwave, so it would have to be very distinct. And I think the way of making it distinct would have um, a little antenna on top, so maybe two like little simple alien antennas, like two, like the letter V, a little um, two antennas, and then with like little circles on top. And then I have debated for myself for years what the static would look like. There's a few different... Um, a few different ways of drawing it that I've always fantasized. One would be sort of the classic cartoon style, which is one single wavelength in the middle, sort of splitting the screen in half, but it's kind of like uneven waves, like a radio frequency almost. And then another one was um, sort of the 90s Ren and Stimpy style of static, where which was um, uh, sort of slashing across the screen like a lightning bolt sort of like imagine a vhs tape that that's getting like ripped up in the machine this crackly sort of stripped out static but again it has to be very simple um so maybe i'll just like cody is very creative in a fantastic drawer so maybe i'll just let him uh, maybe i'll just pitch him the rough idea and let him uh come up come up with a, a version of the static that uh, I like, or a version of the TV that I haven't thought of before that maybe I like. Um, and if you're wondering, the reason why I want a television, this old television, is a few different reasons, actually. And I always told myself I would never get a tattoo if it didn't mean something to me. Um, hence why the only tattoo I've had in my life is this one that has so much meaning, to, so much meaning to me. Um, the only... The reasons behind the idea for a, um, a television tattoo would be uh, that one, okay, so here's a few different things, and I'm going to try and remember them all because I used to be able to put them into this eloquent way, but like I said, I'm a little scattered today. One would be um, that, uh, I, you know, I was a 90s kid basically raised on television in the sense that it was, television has always been a part of my life, and the least amount of television I've ever watched was when I, um, I want to say when I moved out of my uh, parents' home into my dorm at the university, that was probably the first time that sort of a constant active television was no longer in, present in my, in my living space. Although we did have a TV in the in that dorm, but it was, you know, owned by someone else and I wasn't actively turning it on alone. And, uh, you know, around that time, Netflix was gaining quite a lot of traction. And also, you know, YouTube and DVDs were still very popular when I was starting college. So I, I mostly just bought DVDs at, like at sale racks at Walmart or Best Buy or Blockbuster or something before it went out. Maybe block, maybe Blockbuster was already out by the time I started college, but I was buying like racks of DVDs. You know, Walmart would ha have like five for 20 and I would just go to town. And that that was my biggest collection. That's what I um, 
I, I really, really genuinely, actually, I, I mean this, I wish DVDs were still a thing because it was my favorite thing to collect. And I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of DVDs. I, I bought like special, I think my parents bought it for me or maybe I got it when I eventually had some money, but I had this um, rotating DVD rack in my bedroom and I still had too many movies to fit on it. And then when I was moving to Germany, I had this humongous cardboard box of like almost all of my DVDs. And I had a, a party where I, I gave a lot of them away because I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I sold some things, but really it was like a get, getting rid of my stuff party, which was very difficult for me um, to do. But I, I loved collecting DVDs and I really wish I still had them. But anyway, when I started college, that was, I was still watching a lot of DVDs. And so I didn't really have a lot of television going on. And then now, especially since I moved to Germany, I mean, there's just an entirely different relationship to television here than there is in America. It's just a different culture. It's just it's just a different it's a different country. It's a different world. You know, it's, um, um, every, you know, basically everybody still owns a television, of course. I mean, we own a projector and a television. And I just bought a new television for my new room in the new house. Um, so it's not as if it's like people just don't have it. Everybody has one, you know, except for maybe younger people who just watch Netflix and YouTube on their uh, laptops. Which, again, that's what I was doing in college, a lot of. Just, um, you know, Netflix and a lot of YouTube. My God, I would... If, if I could go back in time to, like, 2009... If I could go back to 2009 or 10 and start a YouTube channel, start a good YouTube channel with like just a decent little camera, you know, Bo Burnham style or Markiplier style, just get like a basic thing going of either like maybe mixed media, some sketches, maybe some game streaming, maybe some, um, you know, movie commentary that could be funny, but also nerdy. Like, there's so many things that I would, I would just, or, you know, also, I mean, of course, playing music or doing even like sort of early, po you know, YouTube podcasting, having guests, I would kill, man, you have no idea, I would kill to go back to 2010, you know, whatever, and uh, my first year of college, and just do that, just make it good, just borrow cameras from the university and make it good, and put something out every week or twice a week or three times a week. You know, now with my Instagram stuff, I'm putting out a video every single day and it's a lot of work. And I think I'm still, I feel extremely behind on everything. You know, I feel old almost trying to do it the way that I'm doing it, putting all that time into it. And, you know, things are building up now, but slowly, slowly, slowly. And I, I see people that I admire, people that are my age. There's a gamer named Markiplier. That's just his, you know, uh, entertainment uh, um, pseudonym, and he is my age. He is one year older. I think he's born in '89, or maybe he's maybe he's 90. Um, but he has 35 million subscribers on YouTube, and he has such an, a, a like devoted follower count that um, there's an interesting story. And you got you guys don't know who I'm talking about, so I won't talk about him forever. Plus, I have a point to make about the TV tattoo. But <laughs> um, he has such a devoted following for what he does. Like, he really just makes YouTube videos, puts out a couple of, you know, maybe three, four, five videos a week or something. But he has a big team now, and he didn't when he started out. 
And the reason uh, that I'm saying his fan base is so devoted is because one time he did like a, a charity event, which is also, he's a very good um, philanthropist. He does a lot of charity work because he makes so much money. He may, he's probably worth a few hundred million, a few hundred million dollars. That's right. Hundreds of millions. He's, he's worth so much money that he basically does a, a huge amount of charity runs and donates, you know, like millions. And uh, one of the charity runs in, involves like people buying black hoodies through his merchandise uh, website that had like a, a slogan or a logo or something on it that was limited, a limited time. And if whatever, how many, how many ever hoodies that were sold, um, the money went to a charity event. And uh, it's a true story, but at some point, uh, Markiplier's team had, and this is true, he had bought out every black hoodie in the United States. Every black hoodie in the United States. You know, for whatever it was. Maybe it was, everyone went out of stock for, you know, whatever, 48 hours or more. I don't know. how. I don't know how fast they recuperated from that, but um, there's a great interview where he's, he's really, he's just a, a dude my age, Super nice guy, very normal, um, super sweet, actually, really loves his mom, which I can relate to, and uh, brings her into the videos sometimes, and uh, it's very, you know, it's really nice, and he donates so much, and anyway, I think I've talked about him on here before, but um, I'm a big fan, and when I look at some of you know, his earlier things, he really is just a guy who started making videos at the right time, and he has a charismatic personality. And here I am, I believe to an extent, sure, I think I have some some charisma because obviously some people listen to this and some people like my videos. Um, but I think if I could have applied that at the right time, man, I could just be making YouTube videos and have complete control. I mean, Markiplier just got nominated for an Emmy. He went to the Emmys. He didn't win, but he was nominated for a YouTube original show that he wrote with like the YouTube um you know, company. It's kind of like Netflix now. I mean, it's a huge streaming, enormous streaming company. Anyway, okay, so that all comes back to um, the reason I wanted this, I want this uh, television tattoo. So one, yeah, I was a 90s kid, raised on TV. It was always a big part of my life. Um, I remember so many shows influencing me and like guiding me and sort of being like a sort of a second family in a way. Uh, and it's it it sounds sad if you think about like the cable guy movie how this kid like had no parents around so tv became his family it wasn't like that i was watching tv with my family um but you know like the like friends you know like chandler um i know a lot of people don't like friends anymore um i still do and you know matthew perry which i think i I'm, i really want to get his autobiography that just came out because i i think i really should read that um, but Matthew Perry, what he brought to television for those 10 years was a type of character, a type of sar sarcasm and um, like aggro humor, like the, the way he yelled at things or the way he, his physical humor, the way he reacted to things um, just absolutely charmed me as a kid. I came to this epiphany a few days ago that I've I realized the people who who I model basically almost all of my humor around is Matthew Perry and David Spade. And it just hit me. I was like, okay, I, I think I always thought that I was like a Chris Farley guy, but I'm really not. I'm really not a Chris Farley guy. I just I'm just a big guy. It's sorry. It would be easy for me to be the big guy and be the big loud guy 
and maybe for certain instances I can be that, but what I always really wanted to be was the snarky, smart, witty, sharp, sarcastic, you know, snaky-tongued, um, confident dude and, you know, spade and not, maybe not confident, you know, maybe that's where all the other things balance is that there is a lot of insecurity there, which I also related to, but Spade and Perry just what they like, you know, Spade in the Black Sheep uh, movie and Tommy Boy and what he brought to his television show, Just Shoot Me, um, his his most recent Comedy Central show. He has a podcast now with, with Dana Carvey, who's also amazing. But yeah, Spade and Perry, they just, they were like my, my idols, you know, like I, maybe I, I think I didn't know it at the time, but I just like had this epiphany the other day. I was rewatching Friends and I saw, um, you know, Matthew Perry is like season nine or something. Just the way he reacted to something. I was like, oh my God, like I used to want to be Chandler and I didn't realize that until, you know, much later. And then a spade hit too, because I, I listened to his podcast with Dana Carvey and, um, I remember watching him so much. I was going to school and I was watching just shoot me in the mornings. It was showing reruns. And I used to think he was the coolest guy. And that's the kind of guy I wanted to be. And he was like, they were both losers. Chandler and Spade always played like, you know, kind of losers, but something about the way they, they're, you know, they were just so sharp, but the way they respond to things, the sarcasm, really, that's, that's, you know, I remember like emulating Chandler at school as a kid, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so like shows like Friends, Just Shoot Me, uh, The King of Queens, Seinfeld. I mean, I was such a Seinfeld guy. And you know who I idolized? I idolized Jerry again. Jerry, I love Kramer. He's so funny. George, amazing. Uh, like Elaine, I had a huge crush on her. I thought she was so, I was like, why is she having so much trouble dating? I would love to date Elaine. She's great. Um but Jerry was the guy who was always playing sort of the straight man most of the time. There's episodes where he's crazy too, but he would be the guy who's like, George, you know, you're losing your mind. You know, or he was just like, oh, I, I can't do a good impression right now, but he, or at all. But he was just the guy who would be like, oh my God, George. You know, or like, Kramer, you gotta, you gotta stop wearing the shoes, Kramer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, these shows... Um, I don't want to list like every show that I ever watched as a kid, but you know, and then I was also, I was so pumped on like early MTV and cartoons. And I like that. I like that basic cable would show, um, would show movies, even if it does have a lot of commercial breaks. If I would catch something exciting that I hadn't seen before, you know, it was so cool. Uh, and it was more likely that I would be able to watch it on TV than it would be for my parents to let me rent the movie because on TV, things are way more censored. Um, you know, every Thanksgiving was a Godfather marathon and they would play the Godfather part one and two on repeat for 24 hours. And you would just flip through the channels and be like, boom, there's the Godfather marathon. All right, let's eat some leftovers and watch Brando and De Niro and Pacino. Oh, that, they they all, Brando, Pacino, De Niro. Hey, uh, watch them all doing what they do best, you know. Christmas um, was always marathons of a Christmas story. And anyway, so yeah, I was raised on TV and I've, and it, you know, that interest, that, that embodiment that stayed inside my home my whole life became, um, it became my, 
career interest later. Like I went, I remember my dad walking me through the halls of the University of New Orleans film department. We were being shown around by the, the, the at the time, the head of the department, um, Stephen something, I forgot, older guy. And, um, you know, I was just like in awe. They had sound booths. They had like whole recording studios. They had an entire camera rental equipment department. They had a cinema. They had their own cinema that was like a 4K projector that, you know, with surround sound. We did like um, our film festival screenings there. We would, we screened uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey in there. Like it was so cool to watch things on this huge screen. Um we did award shows in that cinema. It, it was also a theater. Uh, and I did all my improv comedy shows there for the, um, I forgot what the word is, or the orientation, orientation, when you have all the new freshmen come in. You know, we would, it would be like a sold, not sold out because we didn't do tickets, but it would basically be a sold out room of freshmen. And it was like, I don't know, 500 people. And we would do this huge show to all these people. And it was just like so exciting. So um, my dad walked me around this building and I remember the, the Stephen guy, the head of the department being like, well, you know, you can just uh, send us an email and let me know what you think. If you're interested, or we can uh, talk about more details. And my dad spoke for me in the moment and was like, well, I can tell already that my, you know, looking at my, um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, looking at my son's eyes, I can tell that this is what we want to do. You know, he was something like, I can see the shock and the 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 awe in 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 my son's face that this is uh, so exciting for him that's that's what we uh, want to do and um, yeah I mean it was true I was you know so that that interest as a kid and I also made um, short films on this like little you know digital camera that recorded to a tape it's funny it's like analog and digital but um, it it recorded um, I made these like little short films. With Cody, we did all these goofy, silly, sloppy, dumb, short things. And I would go around downtown Corinth and like walk the railroad tracks on a Saturday and film all these weird, decrepit buildings. And, you know, I would like spook myself out thinking I was going to run into some homeless guy that had knives and heroin needles hanging off of him or something. I uh, I always filmed abandoned buildings and empty pathways and the railroad tracks and, um Cody and I would make little films and, you know, I don't know, stuff like we'd play guitar, he would dance, we'd make sketches. And that ended up being footage that we used in the Simple Swimmer video. And yeah, so, you know, like growing up with TV and then eventually studying it, um, learning like what makes the soup, you know, and still having a passion for it after that. And then now, you know, having the opportunities when I can to work still in this industry, you know, um, I guess my main income these days is purely more, more pure from pure audio, uh, than from, um, visual arts. But, you know, when I get the opportunity to, let's say for example, like when I get the chance to make music for, you know, our TV show wrong, or how, um, you know, last year in September, I was able to go to Hamburg and act uh, as an extra in the show. You know, when I get these little opportunities here and there, like, ah, can you write lyrics for this composer's song in this new Netflix movie? Can you write lyrics and sing 
in this new song for um, this, you know, RTL series, can you do, you know, the score and some original music for this, um, you know, uh, other show or, you know, whatever, like what any involvement I get to be for a TV show or a film. Um, it's happened more in the last years, uh, especially last year. And it just makes me happy. And I've been able to make new friends who are all writers, you know, like, like my friend Moritz that I mentioned on the show a lot. He's, you know, this fantastic screenwriter and Efi. And uh, now we, I have another new friend, this guy, Julian, who also wrote on our show. Um, I was able to finally go out and like get to meet, really meet him and talk about movies and have a few drinks. And it was so nice like to, to meet a fellow film nerd and talk about things that we enjoy and the craft and the writing. And it's just exciting, you know? Um, so I think having a TV really represents my basically my whole childhood and how I ha I have a happy ha happy ugh, sorry I have happy memories as a child like when I think of my childhood I I am happy in these in this reflection and so kind of you know reflecting that and reflecting um what I studied and what I enjoy working with and what doing and um it kind of represents all of that and to make it even deeper, oh, this guy's got layers. To make it even deeper, my first original thought was that the static would split the screen in half. And it that would represent um, me being sort of split between two countries. Like, so the static of the TV would sort of ripple um, the picture into two not two images necessarily because that could be a lot of lines I wouldn't want to make it too busy but maybe a subtle way to represent that one of them is or maybe it's just for me to know that one would be one part of the picture is Germany one part of the picture is America and have all of that sort of encompassed into a very clean very simple television drawing and so I mean that gives you a pretty good picture about like how much uh, time and uh consequence I put into thinking about a tattoo that's why I've only ever had one so far but I think that's the one and I think I'm going to let Cody do it and I think I'm going to let him sort of pitch some ideas about how he would want to draw it because I also want it to be comfortable for him you know if he if he says I, I I'm better at this style then maybe we can find a compromise that he's happy drawing with and then also um you know that I like that I want to see so we'll we'll see what what happens from there, but um, yeah, man, we really went on a, a journey there, just talking about a tattoo, didn't we? We really went on a ride there. I didn't didn't expect that, but I love how it works. I love how the brain works, and I love how how that's gone on. Um, recently, we watched the first episode of the new HBO series, The Last of Us, which is um, a pretty direct, um, it's it's based on, but almost like, sometimes like line by line, sometimes frame by frame, like really directly inspired by um, one of the most popular video games ever made. Uh, and one of the like highest rated, like most applauded story, you know, video game stories ever. Um, which is the, a game of the same name, The Last of Us. I guess it came out in like 2013, 2014, something like that. 
Um, I played it and I beat the whole thing and I was just absolutely in love with it. I couldn't get enough of it. I um, really was just um, in love with this um, with this game. Really amazing stuff. And there's a, a sequel to the game that I'm also playing now, which is um, darker um, and easily like some of the most beautiful graphics I have ever seen in a video game. Sometimes it's so real and so well done. Uh, and it, the story is just so well acted. The cast is really good. Like there's no cheesy lines. There's no sort of like Resident Evil stuff that's bogus that you have to kind of accept to, to be in the world. It's really great acting and, and meaningful and real and heavy. And um, so when there's scary things, you're you're neck deep in it and you're scared. And when it's sad things or, or funny things, you're, you're really feeling it. You're really on the journey uh, with the characters. And the first episode of that show, I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to watch all of it. I'm, I mean, I love this game and I always recommend it to people. Um, and the, I think the only thing that's got some flack recently from people was was the casting. There's... Um, the, the main two people of the game is um, an older guy in his 50s named... Well, that's not older, but you know what I mean, because the girl's younger, so it's just by technicality. Uh, the guy, is his name is Joel, and um, he's like 50-something, and he's, um, you know, he's a, he's a broken, sort of hurt, um, disgruntled, you know, disassociated, scruff guy who has to do the dirty work and get through the tough times because he... Without spoiling anything, you know, he has a he has a really big trauma from his past that he's had to deal with for the past, like, 20 years. And uh, then, you know, he, by interesting circumstances, gets uh, introduced to this, uh, I think she's supposed to be, like, 14, this young girl, Ellie, um, who, because of something she's dealing with, some special thing that she's involved with, um, they have to travel together you know, across um, different states to get to a certain location together. He has to escort her and take her somewhere um, for a very important reason. And you just go through and you find all these, you find all these sort of secrets about them that un unveil themselves so organically. And um, it's really a really beautiful story. And the only flack that people got was the casting because the Joel guy looks really perfect, like this perfect, um, that's not the best way to describe it. Um, anyone who's watched Game of Thrones, the actor who plays um, uh, Cersei's brother, Jamie, Jamie uh, Callister, Jamie, wait, Lannister, anyone who's, uh, so Jamie Lannister, that actor, um, he has this sort of like perfect prince face. And if you, if you put a uh, dark hair on him and like a dark beard that's pretty much what Joel looks like like a really square jawed perfect looking face with like thick hair and a beard uh and strong and they cast him with um an actor who I adore and I think he is doing a good job I really don't have that many I really don't have a complaint about it but I understand why people didn't like it and uh it's the actor is Pedro Pascal and he's um in like the Star Wars franchise he's in um he's the Mandalorian and he's in um, another big... He's in, like, a, quite a lot of, like, major franchises. Um, and he's a great actor. He's wonderful. And then 
I, the one that I that I agree with that I'm not a big fan of is the casting for Ellie. Um, you know, you get so involved with the people of this story. You spend like, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours over days and weeks sort of following a journey. Uh, so you really get to know what this person looks like. A lot of close-ups, a lot of tears, you know. And Ellie is a, a brown-headed um, girl with freckles across her cheeks and green eyes and she's, you know, she's cute. She's like, um, yeah, she's a pre- like also pretty symmetrical looking like cute white girl with green eyes and, and um, freckles. And they cast another actor from Game of Thrones. The actress's name is Bella Ramsey. And although she has an interesting look, she has a great face for film. I think she has like a very interesting character look about her. It's just so extremely different from Ellie that that's I can understand people's um, not people's sort of like dissatisfaction with that choice but let's see you know she acted well in the first episode let's see maybe she sucks me and maybe I start believing it a little bit more in the second episode she has some pretty big shoes to fill so I imagine that was you know hard work um, but yeah, not to, sorry that I went off so much on, um, a show or a game that maybe none of you have watched or played, but, um, if you have HBO, I recommend it. It just started last Sunday, so you, you only have to catch up on one episode so far. And if you're a gamer, play the game. If you're in Munich, you can borrow it from me. It's amazing. Um, but guys, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm really happy, um, that, I felt like I kind of got everything out of my system. I was worried at the beginning that I wouldn't have any, anything to say at all. But once we got on that tattoo story, man, things just flew off. But um, if you enjoyed the show at all, if you had fun, if you got sucked in at all, just please make sure to you know go on to a- Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Give us a rating or a review or a comment or something like that. Just anything that helps the algorithm you know show this podcast to new people, people that you think might be friends with someone who's an immigrant in a different country or someone who can maybe relate to some of the stories that I tell about, you know, film or television or games or anything like that. People who might be interested in the guest interviews we've had in the past. And, you know, if you know anybody who might enjoy it, even just telling them word of mouth or a text or something really goes a long way because we want to try and build that artsy fartsy family, man. I want to keep doing this and that's the best way to do it. Is to, That's the best way to help support the show is to just spread the word or, you know, put something on Apple Podcasts that builds that algorithm up. But um, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. This weekend, I'm going to take a trip away. I'm going to be in a hotel until Sunday evening. So, you know, I'm going to try and get some nice R&R and uh, take a little step away from all the housework (laughs) and uh, all the extra work that I had this week. But um, otherwise, there's, you know, the the potential news for some pretty big things uh, coming. So as soon as those things are confirmed, you guys will be the first to know. So thank you for listening. I love you guys. Have a great week and bye bye. Saints are coming through And it's all over now Baby Blue Artsy Farts Immigrants Ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider Produziert für M94.5